Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Inclusive Class Podcast, the weekly podcast for teachers, parents, and communities who envision an education system where all students are treated equal. Together with top experts in the field of inclusive education, we offer tips, advice, and solutions for including students of all abilities in today's classroom. Now, here are your hosts, Nicole Eredix and Terry Morrow. Good morning, and thank you for joining us on the Inclusive Class Podcast. I'm Terry Morrow. I'm the About.com expert on parenting special needs at specialchildren.about.com and the author of 50 Ways to Support Your Child's Special Education, and I'm also the parent of two young adults with special needs. And I hope that now we have with us, uh, who did I just bring in on the phone there? Is that Mary? Mary Edie. Yes, Hi, Mary. I'm sorry. I'm That's okay. On. You know what? We are by ourselves right now because uh, Nicole and our other guest, uh, Francis, are having trouble getting in. So I'm glad I'll have somebody to chat with other than myself. But, uh, Mary, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do uh, for inclusion? Okay. Um, I'm director of the Parent Training Information Center for the state of South Carolina. Um, and there's a PTI like us in every state in the United States. So I'm the director of the Parent Training Center and have been for 20, well, I've been here over 20-some-odd years now. <laughs> um, but basically we do exactly what I described. We do parent training information and assistance for parents who have children with special needs, and that's mm-hmm. special needs, anything you can imagine, the whole nine yards. Um, and all of our services are free that we just provide the training information assistance, whatever they need, especially related to public education, special education, and those kinds of services. Um, So a huge part of what we do is we work with families on having their children more included and being in the least Mm -hmm. restrictive environment. But also I'm the parent and grandparent of children with disabilities and developmental delays. So. Okay, that's that's uh, great. It looks like we have, uh, hopefully we have other podcasters in now. Nicole, is that you? Yes, it is. Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. Hi, oh, Mary. Hi. Here also? Terry, is Frances there as well? I don't know. Is she on your oh, line? Not yet. Oh, wait, here's somebody else coming in. So, Nicole, what, oh, let's see who's here. I can hear you. Uh, it's Frances. Frances, is Hi, that you? Frances. Okay. Yes. Yay, we're all here. <laughs> So uh, oh, appropriately on a on a on a topic about support staff, we could use some support staff today. But <laughs> we are now all on the line until my phone uh, breaks out, no, which is don't say that. lately. But don't say that. Nicole, why don't you uh, why don't you introduce yourself, and then we'll have uh, Frances uh, introduce herself as well. 
Perfect. Good morning, everyone, and uh, thank you for being patient with us as we once again struggle with Blog Talk Radio. I'm waiting for the magic fairy to come down and grant us a new radio platform, but (laughs) that's not happening, and so we are going to uh, struggle with um, this uh, Blog Talk Radio platform today. Anyway, uh, I'm Nicole Erdix. I'm one of your hosts for the show, and I'm a parent and teacher and creator of the online resource, The Inclusive Class. And uh, as you are aware, if you've been listening, we are bringing you a new format this uh, year. We are doing a roundtable discussion. And I believe that Mary um, has been introduced, and now I'd like to introduce mm-hmm. Frances Stetson. Good morning, Frances. Hey. Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm Frances Stetson, and I'm president of of um, Stetson and Associates. Or did you tell this already? Did no, you tell this about my not. background? No. Oh, so uh, an education consulting firm, and we specialize in inclusion and and other effective practices in in education, but primarily for children with disabilities and. And uh, we also sponsor the Inclusive Schools Network website, which reaches parents and educators around the world. So I hope all of you are, are um, have logged into that Inclusive Schools Network site. We'd love to, to see you there. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And um, Terry, have you talked about what you're up to this week? Yep, I, I introduced myself, and Mary introduced herself. Oh, I haven't talked about what I'm up to this week. What am I up to ah. this week? Uh, what have you been doing this uh, week? Um, well, I've had a nice weekend that my husband has been off this weekend, so he's been doing all the college driving uh, and quite a good deal of the college homework help. And so I should have been getting huge amounts of work done, but um, I've been on Facebook a lot. <laughs> ah, <laughs> but yes, I've also been. I've had some. I've had some deadlines on on work that I've been been uh, devoting to. So I'm sort of can't believe that it's Friday already and this week of not having to drive to colleges is almost over and I did not get a fraction of what I meant to do get done but yeah. uh, today I'll get a lot done today today's going to be a good day right that could work yes. <laughs> um, exactly. but uh, one thing I wanted to mention uh, to folks is uh, something new I don't think I mentioned this last week uh, there's a, a, a service for reading RSS feeds uh, which is basically you subscribe to a blog you like and then it gets together a list of all the recent blog posts on the blogs that you follow, so you can just go through mm-hmm. it really easily and read them. Uh, so it's it's called Feedly, and they're starting a new thing that they allow people to share their collections. So, you know, I have a 100 or so blogs that I follow regularly, and now you would be able to go and see which blogs I read and see if there's some interesting ones and that you could follow them too. So I was able to, to try this out, kind of give a preview to this uh, service, and it's really, I think, a neat way to share great special needs resources. So if you go to Feedly, it's F-E-E-D-L-Y dot com slash Mamatude, M-A-M-A-T-U-D-E, you can see some collections I've put together of special needs blogs and uh, you know it, they're, that are worth following and reading on a daily basis. And it very easily, with just a click, you can start be following them as well. So uh, check that out and tell me what you think. Will do. Thank you. How about you, Mary? What have you been up to lately? It's been a while since we've talked to you. Oh, gosh. It's, it's, I'm like you. I'm just thankful today is Friday. <laughs> 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 We have been up to a lot of things. Last week, the first time we've done this, we did a fetal alcohol spectrum disorders conference. 
and it was oh, phenomenal. Wow. We had a professor from, I wanted to say USC, and then I thought I better say University of South Carolina instead of Southern <laughs> California, um, yes. to come in and talk about some of the latest research that they're doing at USC and um, some of the implications for identifying these children with FSAD and the mm. effects much earlier and, you know, yes. what Basically, of course, to to support none for nine, telling moms that it's not safe to drink at any point in time, mm-hmm, and it was mm-hmm. phenomenal. Well attended, lots of professionals, um, so we felt like it was very successful, and we're already gearing up to do another conference on that. So oh, wow. it was great. it was great. It really was. Wow. So that's the newest thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sounds like you're busy. It's such a, you, a very important topic, too. That's wonderful to that's really uh, continue good. to offer information about fetal alcohol syndrome. It's something, you know, it's one of the few disabilities that are 100% preventable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's we, true. You know, you can prevent that from happening. And um, the sad part is unless the mom fesses up at some point and says, I was drinking during my pregnancy, we may not know that that's Mm -hmm. what it is. So it's really hard to get an identification and figure out what's going on. And, of course, it's very hard for a mom to say, you know, I did this, because sometimes they don't knowingly um, Mm -hmm. realize that they're pregnant when they do drink or don't have the knowledge that says basically they shouldn't be doing it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. How about you, you Francis? Also have what have you been doing? Well, I I am, am actually excited. I'm, our firm does a lot of systems change around the U.S., but I've just recently been invited by the Council for Exceptional Children and Deb Ziegler to join a team of uh, before of us going to Saudi Arabia for oh, about wow. three weeks in the next few months and training. Uh, um, a number of their educators because they wanted to build um, um, their their increase and improve their services for children with disabilities and all children. And so we're designing our training and getting it ready for translation. And so I, that's 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 probably the most exciting thing I could share at this time. But uh, but <laughs> that uh, is but everybody. Exciting. Yes, it is. And don't forget, put on your calendars, Inclusive Schools Week is December 1st through the 5th, and you can get lots of all free resources from if you go to the Inclusive Schools Network website. So we're looking forward to a great celebration this year. Good. Great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, it's been a, a busy week personally, quiet week um, otherwise, so uh, I was just thinking of resources as I was hearing um, Mary and Terry and Francis talk about uh, what they've been doing lately and all the great um, resources that are out there for people. And I just thought of one off the top of my head that I've been meaning to share with everybody. If you haven't already uh, seen this website, it's called Set B C S E T dash B as in Bob C. And it's a wonderful resource. And the reason why I thought about it is as I was sharing it with a parent group last week. And it's phenomenal. It it has uh, not only picture sets on it that you can go and use for visual aids and um, social stories, but you can also access uh, uh, the curriculum, uh, various subjects, and they're grouped according to elementary, middle school, high school. And if you go into the subject, you can find activities that relate to the curriculum. So if you have a child that's on a modified program or... Um, who needs accommodations, 
you can find an activity in their database that the child can do online, or you might even be able to print it off. I think some of them you can print off, and can be part of the lesson in your class. Oh, so that's if you're, great. Yeah, it's a wonderful resource. And uh, if you're looking to include your students who are on IEPs or need accommodations, check out that website, www.setbc.com, I believe. See, now I'm telling you about it, and I can't remember if it's com or org at the end. So... <laughs> As Either my way, grandson says, just wonderful. Google it. <laughs> Google it, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. So, yeah, that's about it for um, for my updates. Um, and we are going to be uh, moving on and chatting about our topic this week, which is support staff and what their role is. Um, when I think of support staff, I think of paraprofessionals, uh, maybe other staff in the building that are there to mm-hmm. assist with curriculum. I don't know, Terry, what what else would you coin as support staff? In the, well, the, the, the thing that my mind went right to was um, it was paraprofessionals. That's what I think of as support staff, especially if you're talking about helping or hovering. That's, that's mm-hmm. what, I, what I had in mind. Certainly there are other uh, people around the building who would have that uh, definition, but I, that's what I focused on when I was thinking of it. Mhm. Yeah, I think that's the one that we sort of go to. Um mm-hmm. and the question is do, what is their role and you know to what extent should they be supporting the student or students that they're working with? So, uh let's hear from our from our guest, Francis. What are your thoughts on that? Well, this is this is such a great topic to include on your show. Mm-hmm. Uh it is such an important issue for for parents and educators alike. And in our work with paraeducators, one of the things that that I would I would say that you exactly nailed the issue, and that is role clarity. Exactly what services and supports can and should the paraeducator be providing to the mm-hmm. student, because you don't want it to be a substitute for the the trained and certified teacher. Their their assistance needs to support the learning, but not direct it. And actually, in in most states uh, that I'm familiar with, there is there's a, a rule or a procedure that says that paraeducators cannot pre- present. Uh, initial content uh, instruction that they have to, okay. uh, that the teacher must, and then the para can support that with follow-up activities or review or help helping the child once the initial instruction has been delivered, you know, take that and then uh, apply it to an activity uh, for further right. understanding. But we have to be really cautious that we're not seeing a paraeducator actually being assigned to a student for for all of their instruction or a good part of it because that's simply that's just the wrong role. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I, I see. I think that's something that we really have to watch. But the but the thing that that I think um, has uh, has been another thing that's important about our paraprofessionals is that often the teachers have not been given any training or information yeah. uh, about their their important role of supervising that paraeducator yeah. and monitoring mm-hmm. what they're doing and, in fact, delegating specifically what they're to do and then watching them do that and, and making sure they're continuing to implement their plans or their assignments exactly as they're to be. And I think a lot of times the, our teachers are not aware that they actually have that really critical role. We um, often I see that's not covered often in colleges and, and universities mm-hmm. or or what's in, in, in even in in service, so that's huge. And then, yeah. And then I wanted, and now I'm I've kind of danced all around the hovering and helpful. Well, I think the mm-hmm. first thing in order to be helpful is you have to be doing the right thing. 
Yeah. And then yeah. And, and, yeah. and then the second thing is the hovering, and that is such an issue because the, if we have hovering, it really diminishes the child's opportunities to develop relationships with their other youngsters. Mm-hmm. It is very stigmatizing, and we know all of the negatives that go with that. I want to mention an old but really interesting and good article that you can get online that you'll just like a lot, I think. And it's Mm -hmm. by uh, Michael Giangreco, G-I-A-N-G-R-E-C-O. And it's called Five Reasons to be Concerned. It's called Be Careful What You Wish For. And then it says Five Reasons to be Concerned about the Assignment of Individual Paraprofessionals. So Dr. Giangreco was talking about the one-on-one assignment, but much of that article is just outstanding. And it lists about 10 or 12 cautions when paraprofessionals are working with youngsters and how they can inadvertently um, stop the development of the relationships or make a child very embarrassed about having that assistance. And it's really well done. So those are the mm-hmm. interpersonal pieces of it. Right, right. Thank you. hmm what do you think, Mary? What's what's your thoughts on uh Well, I was glad to hear what Frances said because a lot of her thoughts were my thoughts exactly. You know, we get a lot of phone calls from families who want a person assigned to their child in the classroom. My first mm-hmm. question is, what is your expectation of what that person is going to provide for your child? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the critical piece is for the parent, the teacher, the the paraprofessional in the classroom, everyone to sit down and have a real frank discussion about this is what the expectation is, this is when it's appropriate, when it's not, those kinds of things. So the teacher who's never had a paraprofessional in their classroom can have an opportunity to say, these are my concerns or these are things that, you know, I want to happen, not happen, et cetera. And, you know, we've got clear-cut expectations from the beginning, which I see a lot of times that does not happen. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I generally do with the families is once I say, what do you expect that person to do is, we've got a little chart called a gold activity matrix. And it's a little chart where you go through the child's typical school day and you look at the activities, the curriculum, all those things that the child's going to encounter, and you say, this is where support is needed, this is where it's not needed, or this is where support could be provided by another individual, mm-hmm. not necessarily or a peer. A peer or even growth, a peer. Because and, and, you know, because I get really concerned like you when we've got a child who has had this person with them all the time and the person is not, you know, is providing the instruction and is not going under the guidance of that teacher and doesn't really know when to back off or when to give more support. Mm-hmm. You know, the one thing I say to as a parent, to, as a parent to a parent, is who wants another adult Velcro to them all day long? Yeah. <laughs> Certainly not me. <laughs> so you need to put your yourself mm-hmm. in the position of that child. It mm-hmm. does sometimes prohibit that child from building relationships, from being able to mingle with their typical peers, to do all those things that come natural for children especially if that person's following them to the playground, following them to the cafeteria and doing mm-hmm. all those things. Mm-hmm. So, so and and yes, another thought I think that it's a real role definition to begin with. 
Another thought that comes to my mind, too, is that when we're working with our paraeducators, one of the things that we want them to have is a warm and positive relationship with the child and the family. That's a real plus. But I think when you develop that, (laughs) then I also think that... Not everybody wants that. (laughs) Well, all right, not everybody, but at least... I've been in the schools where the parents were to talk to me, so... Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> yeah. that's an anomaly, I hope. But anyway, that's bad. Um, but what, what I, I also think is that just be, and because of that and because the parents are, off, are so often close to the children, that it, and as well as the teachers, that it takes a critical eye sometimes to say, are we now over-supporting? Mm-hmm. When, right. when, and, and I think for parents, one of the things that I think we, we fail to con- convey early on is the whole notion that, that success is actually fading away support over time. Mm-hmm. That you want to see that you have less, if you have, the child has to have some para-support, either in instructional delivery or, or self-care or, or what have yeah. you, that we need to continuously say, can we fade this? Can we actually provide a little less of that and, in, and develop the independence? Because that's ultimately the goal. And if we're not yeah, careful, yeah. we have over-supported to the point where we've created a, another, another difficulty for the child. You're right. exactly right. I'll speak as right. one of those parents. I'll speak as one of those parents that wants the one-on-one. My son had a one-on-one all through school, even when he was in self-contained classes. And, yeah, you know, it's a real risk, and I see now some of the negative uh, outcomes of that. But at the same time, uh, you know, you were talking about fetal alcohol before, and that's my son's diagnosis. And for those kids, there's a recommendation of an external brain uh, that will organize for them and run interference right. for them and keep right. them from getting into situations that will be harmful. And really, I think a lot of the times I just liked having uh, an, a, an adult witness for things because he would not mm-hmm. be able to remember what mm-hmm. happened. Um, so that is a situation in which you do need a parent to stick pretty close. And mm-hmm. over the mm-hmm. years, there are some who were good at it and some who were bad at it. And some of it was training, some of it was experience, some of it was temperament, some of it was the relationship between the para and the teacher. Uh, you know, uh, I had ones who stuck to him like glue but also supported his independence when it was possible, and I had one who just sat there all day and, and told him that he kept flipping his shoes off, and she would prompt him like 20 times an hour to put his shoes on. So basically nothing happened for him in school except being yelled at to put his shoes on. Well, so it's Perry, like, I want to reinforce you know, training your message, and ability. though. Mm-hmm. I want to reinforce your message, which is it's very individualized. Your child mm-hmm. and, 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 and your work with the educators and your, your knowledge for, for a variety of reasons needed that one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's something that, we, we, that, that I'm comfortable with one-on-one if we've really absolutely analyzed that whole day and said, you know, is yeah. what level of support is needed. And so I, I like the notion to reinforce for everyone that it's got to be an individualized decision on the basis of the student's needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. I reinforce what you say is that there needs to be some strategizing about what is needed for each individual student. Um, mm-hmm. And and yeah. what the, I mean, parents need to be trained as to what to do. The teachers need to be trained as to, I mean, uh, uh, we don't often think of a classroom as a workplace, but it is, mm-hmm. especially if there's multiple people in the room, and there needs to be a boss, and there needs to be a, a structure, and um, 
you know, yeah, sometimes I if you have two or three time. kids with a para, in, with two or three kids with a one-on-one, and then you have a classroom para, and you have the teacher, and maybe the teacher's less experienced than the older women who are doing the paraprofessional role, it can get very stressful <laughs> for everybody, and then that, that bounces off on the kids as well. So, yeah. so well, uh, one of the concerns, too, that, that we've seen quite a few times, because unfortunately our children do grow up, <laughs> and <laughs> we've We've seen that a child has had particularly the same person for a number of years, mm-hmm. and then it becomes mm-hmm. kind of a co-dependency, yeah. I believe. And that's <laughs> always a red flag in my mind. It's a concern because at yeah. some point that para is going to change, and we need to prepare the child for that, whether mm-hmm. it's getting ready to go to middle school from elementary school or or it's because personnel changes happen. But I mm-hmm. always caution my families about, you know, if you've had this person with your child for a number of years, you may want to consider asking yeah. for a change. You yeah. don't want to yeah. wait until an emergency situation happens and the child has had no time to prepare. Yeah. Well, and also we're talking I'll about a fairly small oh. percentage of children who would need a one-on-one uh, assistance, too. So. Yeah. Um, right. I, I want to be sure we're we're balanced, and in, in, you can hover and help <laughs> uh, in any role as a paraprofessional. <laughs> yeah, and, that's and, true. And most yeah, children just simply do not require a one-on-one para for, and it's a good. That's the good news. <laughs> and, and I'm going to step news. in and offer my my teacher point of view here because I know that um, we've had you know some different viewpoints here, and from a teacher point of view, I think it's extremely dangerous to. Um, to not know how to work with a paraprofessional in your classroom. Mm -hmm. And that goes back Mm -hmm. to the issue of do we get training in teacher education programs Mm -hmm. on how to work effectively with a para? And we don't for the most part. You know, so many of us uh, start out brand new in the classroom and all of a sudden there's another adult in the room, which is, first Mm -hmm. of all, very intimidating, not to mention an adult who's been in that school uh, working with yeah. a particular child for years, um, it can be a very dicey situation, as Terry was mentioning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all of a sudden you're the one that uh, is now trying to make decisions for that child and for the classroom, and there's another adult in there who may or may not be supporting you. But that's that's a whole management side of things. But yes, um, some of us, you know, some teachers uh, have a tendency to then let the para take over. And Mm -hmm. that is hugely dangerous because then as a teacher, you don't know what is going on with that child's program. And as Frances stated, that paras are not supposed to be providing uh, the the initial content, um, you know, delivering the primary curriculum. But uh, that is often the case, sadly, uh, (laughs) when the teacher says, you know, here, you go work with him over at that table, and I'm going to yeah. go do my thing with the rest of the class. And that's that's such a dangerous situation. And so I think you really need to um, expect that, that the paraprofessional will be supporting you as a teacher and supporting the child and not necessarily taking over the child's program and mm-hmm. running that child's program. Um, there was a I just watched a webinar this past week uh, with, Dr. Randy Cranston, who's a fabulous educator out of British Columbia, and he was uh, stating that the school's over-reliance and overuse of support staff has created 
um, a teaching assistant empire where where we <laughs> just keep adding um, adding True. to this to the to the supply of of teaching assistants in the in the school and you know developing this situation where we rely on them in order to do our job and mm-hmm. you know that that just can't be the case so yeah I'm I'm going to, to definitely agree with. Um, the idea that there definitely needs to be some role clarity and some training on how to work with paras and and help prevent from, you know, having them take over the program and and although on a purely selfish note, I have to say that the the huge hiring of more and more and more teachers aides. My daughter just started <laughs> working as a teachers aide, so that's good news for our family. Yeah. Yes, more <laughs> jobs. In fact, I think she got a job because they did expand their their our district did expand their numbers, and that's how she got in. So um, that's great. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I hate to be the you know Debbie Downer here, but you know the (laughs) other part of that that I was thinking as you said that is due to budget cuts. What we've seen in many situations is. If the parapro has to be out of the classroom, whether it's illness or family emergency, mm-hmm. they're not always providing a substitute for that person in the classroom. And that's mm-hmm. a conversation that needs to happen in that IEP meeting about what happens if yes, definitely. <laughs> you know, this person's not there because some of our children are more dependent on that parapro than others. And mm-hmm. especially if the teacher's allowing the parapro to do a lot of the instruction and those kinds of things, the teacher's ill-equipped to take on it, yeah. take on that responsibility at that point. Yeah, that's not a good scenario. <laughs> it's not, and, it's and a, I've seen it It's happen. a disruption for the child, too. Yeah. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems like every time we have a discussion about inclusion, more training and education seems to be solution. I wonder how much that actually happens. I've I've been really saddened by, you know, how unprepared paraprofessionals are. I mean, many of them tell me I don't even have uh, I've never seen an IEP on the child I work for. Nobody's even told me what this child's diagnosis is, and yet they're oftentimes given huge responsibilities for for structuring that child's day. And um, you know, so I would usually try to, you know, the years where I was allowed to talk to my son's para, I would usually try to make sure they had the information they needed and I would, uh, you know, give them a copy of the IEP and uh, give them some notes on what I found worked well with him. Uh, but, um, you know, as for parents, I would say, um, you know, make sure, don't assume that the para knows what they're supposed to know and give them whatever information they can and, uh but be aware that sometimes there there may be communication problems. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know yeah. that, that uh, you don't want to get the para in trouble for talking to you. <laughs> but at the same yeah. time, if you can you have know, free and, and open what, communication with a para, that's hugely helpful for both of you. Right. Um, One mm-hmm. of the concerns we do hear from families too is that that person is not always invited to the IEP meeting. Yeah, and they are yeah. Part of that child's mm-hmm. school day. Mm-hmm. So usually my mm-hmm. response is for the parents to invite that parapro or whomever to the mm-hmm. meeting. Sometimes the school will allow that. Sometimes they won't. But I always say, you know, mom, you can do this. You can invite yeah. that person to the meeting, especially if you feel like it's a critical part of what's going on. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, and I think we have to be vigilant, too, because we can't be thinking, I mean, going back to the whole concept of of what's really helpful, um, I -hmm. think that I see sometimes that we use adult proximity as the behavior control versus Mm -hmm. having a really well thought out um, uh, functional behavioral analysis first and then a good behavioral intervention plan. We just stick an adult next to this child. And, and so I think adult proximity is a pretty awful reason for assigning an adult, or that's a limited part of that role. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, I, I, again, it goes back. I think we're all saying the same thing, too, which is going back and, 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 and reinforcing that role clarity and why yes. that yes. person, what they're doing and why they're doing it and how they mm-hmm. should be providing that services and is it no long, service and is it no longer needed or do we need to extend mm-hmm. it or, and, and really making some very thoughtful decisions. Yeah, yeah I agree. definitely agree. Yeah, and great. as our Thank children you. do progress, I think one of the one of the critical pieces in that IEP meeting is to talk about how we lessen the support of that parapro because mm-hmm. we do want our children to gain independence. We do want them to be able to ask more for help and not depend on someone to automatically give that. Um, those kinds of things. So, you know, I work a lot with our children who are, are students that are leaving high school or preparing to leave high school, and I think that's a real big discussion that needs to happen in those IEP meetings is how do we lessen the support of this person um, mm-hmm. so that the child does gain that independence and does have an opportunity to to work on that independence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think exactly. this is a, a a good place for us to wrap up. I certainly, when uh, you know, thinking about uh, leaving school and, and going on to the next thing. Um, thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of the Inclusive Class Podcast. Uh, thank our guests very much for the discussion and our listeners for tuning in. Please join us again next week when our topic will be inclusion is more than a program. Uh, In the meantime, you can follow us on Facebook or look for us on Twitter, where Nicole tweets under the score inclusive underscore class. Uh, I am at Mamatude, M-A-M-A-T-U-D-E, and you can find Francis at uh, StetsonAssociates.com, and Mary is at ProParents.org, or 1-800-759-4776. And finally, you can download our past podcast for free on Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. Goodbye, everybody, and have a great week. Goodbye. Thank you. I cannot hit the outro. Okay. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.